Sing a song, Danny. No. Why would I sing a song? It's a beautiful day. You better not put any of my singing in there. There's got to be some clips. Why can't I put any of your singing in here? Straight up kill you, children of the corn style. Oh, what, with a knife? I'll just be waiting with the gun. <laughs> with a tire iron. <laughs> I'll just be waiting with the tire iron. <laughs> Welcome to the first recording of the Horror Fort podcast. Today, we're starting off our new podcast with a review of Children of the Corn, a 1984 movie set in the fictitious town of Gatlin, Nebraska. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Danny. Welcome to the Horror Fort. What is Horror Fort? Since this is our first episode, you may want to know what kind of garbage you're listening to. Horror Fort is a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss the plots, logistics, and opinions of horror movies as seen today. I'm Danny, a cinematographer and editor from Kansas. And I'm Stephanie, a copywriter and producer from Nebraska. So let's get the show on the road. So yeah, so we watched this uh, this movie last night, and <laughs> it's 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 a really shitty movie. Let's just be honest here. It, it has not aged well. I mean, it, it was one of those ones that we have both watched when we were you know, obviously growing up, and we felt it was an, it was a good jumping off point for this podcast to revisit this little gym from the past and it did not age well at all no it did not um i want to like this movie because it's based upon a stephen king novel and i was a huge stephen king fan growing up um the shining got me into the horror movies that i watch today it's it was kind of the first horror movie i saw and really enjoyed um so i really want to like this and especially since it's based in a fictitious town of nebraska gatlin gatlin nebraska that doesn't exist just for everyone's reference it was filmed in different parts of iowa i read um and i think north platte nebraska but i'll have to re-look at that again here in a yeah, second yeah we'll have to check with the google on fact that one. check some google michael google michael michael google <laughs> Um, but no, I, I want to like this movie because of all the things, you know, I'm from Nebraska. I'm a Nebraskan chick, lady, girl. Um, but I just don't, I can't like it. I don't know. It's a really shitty movie. Um, I would be really pissed if I was Stephen King and someone made this movie. Well, yeah, I think, I just think the nature of it, uh, when it was developed back in the eighties was, very quick like it was off of the success of the shining like studios were just snatching up rights to stephen king novels left and right and they're very hastily pushing that brand forward though we though we do need to keep in mind there are key differences between the shining and children of the corn on the filmmaker side absolutely stanley kubrick cannot be touched by other filmmakers kubrick kubrick but this movie so this was we thought this was a good idea to open with this movie. <laughs> we thought this was a good idea in general. This podcast, we thought it was a good idea. Um, we thought this movie was a good opener since it's like cornfields and in the Midwest, and it's a Midwest horror movie. And most horror movies are not set in a Midwestern setting, I guess. Or set? like, can I say set a million more times? I don't know. I don't know. I felt like you had one more set in there, but set. Um, 
Anyway, <laughs> so, I, I feel like we're getting off track here. With we're, what, we've been off we're, track for like 15 minutes. Um, what we're aiming to do. So we thought it was a good idea to open with this this movie, considering the Midwestern atmosphere. And um, also, you know, it being based on a Stephen King novel, I thought it was kind of cool to open with a Stephen King-based horror movie. But yeah, but I have to admit that this is probably one of the shittiest Stephen King-based horror movies that I've ever seen. <laughs> really bad yeah i don't know what to say besides it's really rough it's It's a really rough movie yeah it's a really rough movie and and just it's really tame by just horror film standards i mean i know that's something that we talked about when we were even watching it yeah but yeah so they don't really show anything like as far as like the gore factor in this it's it's i would give it like a good one (laughs) or like two because they show like blood spurts but they don't show like any actual um violence like as far as like throats being cut um yeah really cleavers the, there's a lot of cleavers a lot of cleaver, like a lot of just close-up shots of the weaponry that the kids are using and not so much the act of these weapons dispatching people i mean besides the opening sequence uh in the diner i mean but even that in of itself you know it was initiated from uh a uh, people being poisoned via the coffee, which I don't remember coffee. even seeing her put poison in that coffee the last time that I saw this. Movie. Yeah, that that was definitely a uh, something that I didn't remember. I was like, oh, well, that kind of makes more sense. Because I had I'd seen some clips a little bit before we watched the movie together, and even that, like even before then, I didn't I didn't notice it. So yeah. the first time I saw the movie years and years and years ago, I never. I never noticed and then this even even the second time I didn't notice um, I don't know why I didn't know it's very obvious it's in the front yeah it's like it's, it's, right it's there. a close-up shot of that's about putting like, poison in it's the about coffee. six or seven seconds in length I think I think it's and I, it's, it's her dumping it and then taking the package that had the you know the, the poison in it and even like putting it back in her pocket like it was a long shot of it and speaking speaking of her um speaking of the waitress like when it shows her walking out the front door it's supposed to be all kids right like they're murdering adults yeah they're murdering she looks like she's like 32 like i guess you don't see her face you just see a side profile but like the hairstyle and like the being a waitress thing like you can't really be a wait like who's a waitress under the age of like 18 right that's weird. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't she was I, like was, an adult. Like, that was weird. I didn't really understand. And they don't really touch on like, oh, well, she was the first one. Like, because it was basically her that started all that in the diner. Because yeah. without her putting because, poison in I the mean, coffee. Yeah, she was the, the, the initial stimulus step. Yeah. And they don't even bring that back. Like, you have no idea what happens to like this waitress in blue. And also she's like 30. So she's like my age. And she's like hanging out just poison and coffee <laughs> did they kill and, her did she like jump on board and then they're I mean, like what think, else don't we, we don't care saw, about you i don't think we ever saw her again in the movie i think they probably I know. Her at some point well she probably passed what was it the ritual the birthday ritual oh yeah she had to be pretty damn close to to what like 18 what is it 18 19 yeah 18 yeah it's at the age of 18 yeah something like that so she had a number one she probably was over the age of 18 definitely definitely so. yeah and Speaking of that opening scene, just just because I have a few notes about it, uh, how do people not notice the creepy kid standing outside the diner in all black <laughs> with that big ass hat, creepily staring in like, 
nodding his head like, yeah, let's do it. Like, are, are you are you kidding me? Which like, is probably why I didn't notice her poisoning the coffee was because all I could see was creepy dude with the creepy hat in the window. And I was like, why is there a creepy kid staring in the diner window? Yeah. And I don't know that Isaac, right? Yeah. Isaac. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that was just one of those. I was just taken aback by that because I usually try to find some form of logic and like just the set comp, you know, scene compositions and how like character movements and placements and how they should be interacting with one another in a logical sense. And just nothing about that was logical to me. I don't, I don't really think that the entire movie had a lot of, a lot of logical sequences in it. Well, no, I agree. And I mean, as we progress through everything, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely hit up on some of those points as we come to them. Cause I feel like we can just go on another side tangent that could be for hours about how dumb the characters are in this movie. Like so. Bert. Can we talk about Bert for a minute? Oh God. I spy my little eye. Something that begins with the letter C. God. Okay. So Bert is my least favorite character in this entire movie that I hate. So his level of hatred is a little bit emphasized. Um, but so his first, like in one of the first scenes where him and Vicky are driving, um, hey, just in case you didn't know, he's a doctor. Just in case. <laughs> we have to right now in, insert all of the times in this movie that someone acknowledges the fact that Bert is a doctor. Wait. Starting Monday, I've got 50 patients a day to look at. Listen, I'm just worried about this internship, okay? I've been working for this for four years. Blood starts to coagulate in four minutes. When I went to get the suitcase, it was still fresh. Got a great doctor. Wait, have you have you do you know cons- have you considered the medical side to us inserting those clips about him being <laughs> have a doctor? You considered the medical side. Well, he is, but maybe he'd like to discuss the medical side of what's going on here with me. Someone make a T-shirt and just wear it and take a picture and send it to us. Yes, if you do that, I will give you a hug, or at least a video message of me giving. And you he's a, just over here trying hug. to pick up chicks and bars with his nonsense and and give people hugs and. <laughs> Maybe if I got more hugs and, you know, <laughs> in life, I wouldn't be this way. I'm just a needy person, I guess. Cue violins. Boo hoo. <laughs> um, so like that opening sequence, um, well, it's not really an opening sequence. It's, I guess it's towards more of the beginning of the movie where he, him and, uh, Bert and Vicky are driving uh, through the cornfields of Nebraska, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, they hit. Was his name Joseph? I think his name was Joseph, who was yeah. running away from you know the child cult in Gatlin. Um, so they hit him, and <laughs> so when he notices that that uh, he has been previously injured, he had his throat cut before they actually hit him. Um, he grabs a tire iron from the trunk like that's going to do something and then just like stands in the middle of the street like holding it halfway through like just like I'm going to get you with my tire iron. I'm like this this guy this guy doesn't like I would not be doing that. That's just not a choice weapon for a, someone that is slitting a child's throat. Like if I saw that a kid had been murdered, I would not grab a tire iron. I'd probably get the fuck out of there. And I, I want to backtrack real quick 
in just in an earlier portion of this exact scene that we're discussing right now, uh, when the kid is running through the cornfield trying to escape and there's clearly someone following him because the script demanded it. So as he's going through the cornfield and Malachi, as we'll later find out, is one who's following him. All we see is just a shot of the knife coming out and like some blood splatter on the briefcase, which is fine. You know, hey, we're not going to show the kid being killed. I thought it was kind of an artistic way to show it. So that's cool. Yeah. But at that beginning, like, I don't, I don't know. It kind of, I, I find it's a bit, it tames the sequence as a whole because no more than 60 seconds later, we see him being rammed by the car. (laughs) And I just feel like it, it didn't have or add any artistic value for me in that scenario. It's just kind of more of a, we're going to cut this portion down short because we're going to, you know, overkill it in about 60 seconds. I thought before I had not seen... balanced for right. me, I guess. No, I agree. It's not balanced. I, I thought before I saw him getting hit that the suitcase blood spatter angle was kind of like, I liked that. But then once they showed him being hit by the car, it created an imbalance in it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Why would they not show him? Get Like, you'd think that the reason why they chose the artistic suitcase killing part was like, oh, we don't want to show a kid being killed. But then they show a kid being just like mowed just over. Mowed with a over. Car. Like it's not like a light like hit and he like he rolls over. No, it's like a straight up like it's, splat like a bug. Yeah. And then like you just he rolled. Yeah, it's that was one of the more brutal like car hitting scenes I've seen in movies. Like normally they're like, oh, and you know, like the person jumps up on the hood of the car and rolls over the top and then just falls in front of the car. Like they like mowed over him and like all four wheels went over him and it was it was, one, yeah, it was very much it was borderline hokey and comical. Yeah. Just how overly like exaggerated the kid being hit with the car was. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then like this is before we know like the doctor should know that he's been slit or like his throat's been slit. There's like no real point in time. Like he goes and sees the body, but he doesn't really examine the body. Mm-mm. No, I think he saw the well, see, and I think that I don't know why I'm defending this movie because this movie is awful. No, you're just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> But to play devil's advocate, I think that when he saw his throat was cut, it was more like he didn't really need to examine the body because he's like, well, this guy's a gunner anyway. If I like hit a squirrel that had his head cut off, I wouldn't be like, oh, I better look and see if the squirrel's okay. It'd be like, well, someone cut the head of the squirrel off, which is not funny. Squirrel murder is never okay. Mm. Danny doesn't like squirrels, though. Yeah, we're not going to discuss that. <laughs> no, I uh, I don't really know why I compared a squirrel to a child. Yeah, that's also it. like too... Like, <laughs> so many parents out there are going to be like, what? I'm sorry. I'm not a parent, guys. I don't really know how to equate children with anything. So in that example, it was equated with a squirrel because I was thinking of what people hit by cars most often. And it's not normally children. It's squirrels. Squirrels, rabbits. I could have probably Possums. said rabbit or possum. I somehow think I would have gotten a more negative reaction from well, comparing I, I think child to a possum. I think you would have angered parents more if you said possum. I know. I'm terrible. I'm sorry, guys. I'm terrible about that. Anyway, but yeah, I agree. It was really weird that he brought the tire iron to, to the dead body. Like, what? And it's like a, It's not even like a big tire iron. It's like a little tiny. It's like a pipe. It's like a copper pipe that you find under your sink if you're like re-plumbing your faucet. It is not doing anything. There's no damage that's happening. Mm-hmm. So that's like the first example of Bert's poor choices in uh, weaponry. You got a gun in there somewhere? You got 
gun in the glove box, that kind of thing. Yeah, there are no guns in this there movie. There are no guns in this movie. That's very interesting. Yeah. That's that's something that I did not notice until just this very moment. I, I noticed it, but I didn't know if it was like a it was like a little undertone, like a commentary undertone, like no guns. Forget guns. Or maybe they just viewed it as like gun policy. Magic, like sorcery, like you know, igniting gunpowder causing an explosion, like they don't believe in science. Well, I know, but why would Bert and Vicky not have a gun? I mean, you're traveling cross country, taking weird back roads. Have you considered the medical side of him having a gun in his glove box? Maybe he's just a doctor against guns. Who knows? Oh, yes. He's part of Doctors Against Guns. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Doctors Against Guns. When Bert was driving with Vicky after they discover the body, he's smoking a cigarette. But the way he's smoking <laughs> he it, it is like it's a blunt. <laughs> he smokes it like it's a blunt. It's hilarious. He's holding it between uh, his thumb and forefinger. And he's like pinching it like at the filter. And he's just like. (laughs) He's like frustratingly smoking. Like, we just found a dead kid. I got to get fucking high. I don't know what's going on. Like you you hear things like rustling in the trunk. And Vicky's like, what's that? He's like, it's just my golf clubs. (laughs) It's just my golf clubs. I forgot that they had said that. It's just my, it's golf. my golf clubs. It's just my golf clubs. What's that? <sighs> it's probably just my golf bag. Are you sure? What do you mean am I sure? Jeez, Vicky, stop worrying about it. Open the open the suitcase. <laughs> I want to see what this kid has. <laughs> it's, just, it's just clothing and camping stuff. Oh, that's a bit of a letdown. I was hoping there would be something else. You know, we haven't even touched on the uh, kids. Let Joby and touched on the kids. <laughs> Here she Danny. Goes making a <laughs> Danny. I don't know. I don't know about you. Sometimes <laughs> we haven't touched on uh, the kids. <laughs> Sorry, that was very inappropriate. We have a lot of parents are going to be pissed about that too. Bet my squirrel comparisons looking pretty tame about now. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. You were saying we haven't talked. We haven't touched yes. on the kids. Yes, Joby and his sister, Sarah. Is it Joby? Mm -hmm. I thought it was Job. Job for short. They were calling him Joby towards the end of the movie. I thought they were calling him Toby. Why were they called Job Toby? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know this kid's name at all. Just the fact that they randomly switch it up at some point is baffling to me. Yeah. I guess it's like a nickname, Joby. Yeah, like these two kids, they want nothing to do with what's happening in the town. So they aim to help out the protagonists in the movie. It's really weird that they're not like that they haven't been murdered yet. Because you'd think that if you were a non-believer as the kid cult says... Then you are, you would be dead. You would be dead. Like they killed those. They were caught with like a record player and a Monopoly game and crayons, all sorts of stuff. It was like I guess all this stuff is um, illegal according to the cult, which sucks because I absolutely love board games and record players and crayons. So I would just be dead. Not only for the fact that I am over the age of eighteen, but yeah, but also because that. I would be like hanging out, playing Monopoly, listening to some records, coloring, and be like, can't take away things from me. It was great. And then Malachi came in and destroyed their Monopoly board by throwing a huge ass knife into it. He's just creepy in general. I don't know. There's something about his face. It's just, you know, you always meet those people where you see their face and you just want to punch them and you don't really know why you don't like them and you don't really know what it is, but you're just like your face. I don't like your face. He's like a person that makes me irrationally angry at something, and I don't know why. (laughs) Every time I saw him on screen, I just got, like, violent in the pit of my stomach. Like, ah, can I just go punch a wall? 
can I do something violent? I'm going to stab this couch. Yeah, I had to pull her off my couch. It was crazy how violent she was getting towards it. He's um, exaggerating. Am I? Am I exaggerating? <laughs> I had to pull a pretty big knife at her hand. You're, you're seriously <laughs> slowly caressing the cushion with the knife, saying, oh, yeah. I think Danny <laughs> Danny just wants to talk, say, he just was trying to use the word caress in a in the podcast. Well, yeah, I feel like we should use caress. He has a list of sultry our... words right now that he has to insert we, we, into I, this I podcast. I think we need to use caress more in our vocabulary. Caress? There should be a reason to caress something. Also, I was not caressing the couch. It was not a thing. Also, his name's Malachi. Like, let's be real. Who's named Malachi? That's some that's some nonsense. I think his name was the least of his problems, though, with, you know, his mouth being all, like... It's hard to describe the, his He mouth. has, like, a mouth that's, like, too big for his head. Yeah. Anyway, not a fan. So, I think we got sidetracked on Malachi a bit here, which we'll get back to because he pops up way too much in this movie for some reason. Malachi. Like, hey... Hey, guy. Hey, guy, Malachi. She just imagines every guy at the bar's name is Malachi, and she just goes up to each of them doing this. What's up? It's pretty entertaining to watch. I do. I go, hey, guy, Malachi. Because I like to rhyme. I like to rhyme when I try to pick up people in the bar. It's great. Yeah. It's what I do. It works 99% of the time. It works every time. So you're, so you're, you have the effectiveness of, like, Lysol? <laughs> <laughs> Which has just now become a new lime. <laughs> I have the effectiveness of Lysol. Anyway. <laughs> I think now at this point in the movie, we finally come upon the first adult that we've seen in a while with that mechanic working on the car at the gas station on the side of the road. Yeah. I didn't really... I didn't understand that. I mean... I, I just feel like they needed like another body to add, add to the body count, so they just kind of toss in this random scene that has like nothing to do with anything. My problem with that is that they make him seem so senile for talking to his dog. Because <laughs> they're like, ah, I'm a senile old man, mechanic working on my car, and I'm talking to my dog Scout. Is his name Scout or like Sarge? Uh, I or? think it was Sarge. Whatever. It's like yeah. a total typical dog name, like Sarge Scout. Yeah, and he had like the, like the typical like, you know, bandana tied of course. His neck. Which is great. I like dogs, guys. Let's just not get in an uproar. I she's, like dogs. She's a, she's a cat person. Well, I am all. I'm a. I'm a. I'm an animal person. Let's just say that. But I just thought it was kind of shitty to portray this old guy as like a crazy person because he's keeping. You know, he's talking to his dog. His dog's the only guy that's been keeping him company for like three years. You gotta be like, hey, okay. I talk to my cat all the time. I mean, everyone Normal. talks. Normal. Everyone talks to their animals. I mean, there's nothing weird about that. Yeah, but they make it seem weird, which I thought was kind of dumb. And I was like, whatever, that's stupid, because that's fine that he's talking to his dog. I would be talking to my dog, too. Yeah, and it's weird that it's presented that way because, I mean, he turns and starts talking to the cornfields. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what made him crazy, not talking to the I, I dog. I think that may be the uh, crazy senile portion. It was but. talking... Talking to the cornfield that did it, not talking to the dog. I don't know. I didn't like the fact that he kept saying it's the wind. You know, he's inside the shop and something moves and he says it must be the wind. When the doors close, there's no windows open. There's no airflow in this building. But yeah. it's clearly the wind, apparently. Must have been the wind. Of course, it's the wind. But yeah, he says it a whole bunch when it's clearly not. And then there's a bloody bandana in the car to signify that they killed the dog which 
Not cool. Not cool. Never cool to kill the dog. The dog was just like, hey, man, I hear some weird shit going on in the cornfield. I'm going to go check this out because I'm a dog. Yeah. They kill him. I mean, they could have just let him go. These kids are dicks. Really shitty on their end. Really shitty. The old man has this deal worked out with the he who walks behind the rose, I guess, is the name of the protagonist. Yeah. Antagonist. Well, yeah, that. Sorry. That, too. Antagonist, protagonist. The guy. I mean, I, mean, I know it's, it's It depends hard. on it's, how you look at it, Danny. It's, it's hard to differentiate because we hate the protagonist, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> so pro- you're supposed to, you're meant to root for the protagonist, but you don't root for these people. You want them to die as much as you want the asshole kids to die. Right. There's a lot of people in here that you just want to die. And so he directs them to kind of to go to Gatlin, which is um, I think they've like messed with the signs a whole bunch. Yeah. Like he was supposed to. Go right, go right at the fork in the road to go to the next town. Yeah, he kept. tells them to go to Hemingford. But they keep seeing signs for Gatlin everywhere. Which makes me think that maybe there isn't even a Hemingford. Maybe they just like pretend that it's Hemingford. Either that or like at that fork in the road, like they, it was supposed to be the opposite. Like they're supposed right. to, like Gatlin is to the right and Hemingford yeah. is to the left. They've messed with the signs somehow. Also, speaking of Hemingford, like you'd think that the people in that town would be like, what the fuck is up with Gatlin? Why are there a bunch of kids running around with knives? I haven't seen my friend Betty and Harris for like a long time. It's been three years. It's been three years since Betty brought me a pie like that kind of thing no one notices because those towns are kind of close together they're like Mm -hmm. 10 miles apart i mean there's people that are friends in neighboring towns you always heard like that and also like wouldn't there be like a high school rivalry like there was a gatlin school that you saw in one of the shots he goes to bert goes to the school the rational person in me doesn't understand why this town has gone on for three years without any sort of like person like like how does no one know that for three years, these kids have been operating in this town it's on their own. It's just weird. It's very weird. Yeah. So anyway, so they try to take a detour to go to Hemingford and they keep getting signs for Gatlin. Anyway, they go in a circle and they're finally like, bah, whatever, fuck it, we'll go to Gatlin. So mm. they go to Gatlin. Yeah, they go there and the town is obviously, you know, it's not deserted, but it, you definitely get the feel that it's deserted because it's completely empty and there's no cars on the road. There's just dead corn stalks everywhere. You know, they enter the, the old cafe where the opening scene took place. Let me just say, if I was going on a road trip and I stopped by a crazy small town to use their phone because for some reason my iPhone didn't work because we're now in 2015 and we have those things. But let's say I was stopping by to use a phone or a bathroom or to buy some beef jerky or something. I don't know. And I walked into a diner and it was covered in corn stalks. Let's get the fuck out of here. Like, this is not a good place to be. Yeah. And especially like all you're finding are kids. And your first thought is to chase after these kids <laughs> to ask what's what's happening in this town. And, and then you lose the kids because they're kids. And your first thought is to get in your car to, sh- to go after them, not just chase them on foot because the script told you so. After losing the initial batch of kids, they decide, you know, we're going to go to the next town, which makes sense. Yes. Go to the next town. Mm-hmm. And as they're driving out of town. Stupid Bert. I tell you what, I don't like this dude at all because number one, their relationship is just really frustrating because she's just like this really passive, like, is this okay? Can I do this? What are your thoughts, Bert? And he's all like, ah, fuck this. We'll do whatever we want. God, this isn't even a road. I'm never going to get out of here. Well, too. Now stop it. Like he just kind of gets short with her all the time. And he's always like, 
I'm a doctor. I know what I'm doing. Like when it comes to everything, even non-doctor related things. So there is this house that you see Sarah and Job hanging out at and he sees the door close. So he stops and he's like, let's go check it out and takes the keys with him, which is my huge problem with very pretty much every horror movie, which involves a car is that the person driving takes the damn keys with them every time. And you're like, no, you're going to get murdered. So can you leave the keys as a courtesy for the person that doesn't want to get murdered so they can just book it out of there when they see you die? I just want everyone to know that if I'm ever driving and we're in a situation where there's a horror movie that might happen, something where I might die if I get out of the car and check some stuff out, I will leave the keys in the ignition for you because I'm a gentlewoman. That is what I am. I am a lady. I leave things like that. I'm a lady. I leave the keys in the ignition. I do. Because I don't want everyone to get murdered. If I get murdered, everyone should be able to go, oh, you know, Steph, she's goner. All right. Hop in the driver's seat and take off for Hemingford. I just want to note just how very intrusive it is for this doctor to see a kid run into a house. Thinks it's okay to enter this house. (laughs) To search the entire house. And then when he f- comes upon the room where he finds two kids <laughs> to sit there. He saw, he found one. He found Sarah. She was alone. Oh, that's right. Sarah was alone, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's because I pay attention. That's what I do. Regardless, one kid or two kids, it's the same It's the same effect. But side note, Vicky the entire time is with him going like, hey, can we not can intrude we not upon this? this person's house? Someone lives here. What the hell's wrong with you? And he's like, I just want to see if they have a phone. And then the phone and, and then none, doesn't no work. At no point was he searching for a phone. No, he was like going through their magazines. This is from three years ago. I don't understand. It's like, well, yeah, maybe you should not be going through people's shit. What if they want to read a magazine from three years ago? Judgy McJudgerson. Just because you're a doctor. Dr. Judgy McJudgerson. Dr. Judgy McJudgerson over here is like, ah, I don't like their curtains. I don't like their magazine. I don't know. He didn't say anything about the curtains. But I just imagine Mr. Judgy Dr. Burt over here coming into a house and being like, hey, you painted that wall blue. But also just stranger danger adult in a room alone with the little kid. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, hey, yeah, I just entered your house. It's okay. I'm not going to do anything. Like, really? Are you really not going to do anything? Are are you? Well, but Sarah's also like, she's crazy because she's a little kid that's been alone for three years. So she just sees people and she's like, oh, hi. In the context of the movie, because the script says so, it's okay. (laughs) I feel like that's pretty prevalent with most of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why did this happen? The script said so. Everyone has to copy the script, right? Okay, great. Oh, my God. But so then finally Vicky joins him. And then they do the biggest cardinal sin you could possibly do in any horror movie, which is to split up. Of course. Because splitting up is always a good idea. It's the equivalent of leaving the keys in, or not leaving the keys in the ignition. So there's just a couple. Although that didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to turn out with the leaving the keys in the ignition situation. She went with him, which is just another problem. Because I'd be like, I'm going to be in the car. I will point out how, like, in the cornfield, it's a euphemism for they're dead <laughs> throughout this whole movie. Like, where are, the, where are your parents? They're in the cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> With all the grown-ups. That's where Malachi put them. Or Isaac? Isaac, yeah. Isaac put them in the cornfield. They're all like, are, he's like, are they working there? Like, are they working? Are they having a meeting? What's like, happening? Like, what's, what's going on? 
Where's Which Isaac? I don't really Can feel. Can you take me to Isaac? I don't feel like no. that's a question that you would ask a kid. I feel like if someone said your parents are in the cornfield, you would just in your brain assume, oh, they're probably like working or like they're in the cornfield. You're trying to do some improv with like a tiny eight-year-old child pretty much. And she's just like, I don't know. I draw dead people. So it's fine. I draw dead people. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> She's in the corner after all those kids take Vicky and he's like shaking her and like has his hand underneath her jaw to like have him have her look at him. And he's just like, Sarah, think, tell me where she is. Because like, as we all know, screaming, holding and shaking a child is the way to get the desired results that you want. Shaking baby, guys. I mean, she's not a baby, but shaking child, guys, not a good idea. Especially if you, you can get away with some light shaking, not full shake, half shake. I just want to point out real quick, the way Bert knew to go back to the house for Vicky was through a drawing of a dragon breathing fire on a woman <laughs> who kind of, sort of, maybe, but not really looks like Vicky <laughs> is burning because the fire, the dragon is breathing fire on her in a cornfield. Was, um, was that a drawing or was it a painting? I don't know, but it was really shitty. Whatever it was, really it was. shitty. That's why I'm, I'm giving. I like. I don't want to say it was a shitty painting. I'm giving it like it's a presentable drawing to a certain extent. <laughs> it's a presentable drawing. <laughs> so clearly, dragon breathing fire means also Vicky's being kidnapped. Dragon. What does that have to do with this? Is the dragon the deity? Is it? That's that's the only that's connection weird. that I could possibly come up with. Is that they meant for it to be a dragon? Because we don't actually ever see. The deity. <laughs> I also want to touch on Sarah's creepy smile after Vicky sees the drawing of her where she goes, what's this? And it just shows Sarah like smiling all sorts of creepy. Like, like hi, a I'm drawing you murdered. You. It's a picture I drew for you. It's like, oh, it's like, oh God. My God. Because she's supposed to be like sweet, right? Yeah. She's supposed to be like a nice, a nice kid. Yeah. But she has a creepiest face after Vicky sees that drawing. Also, the hatchet scene. At number one, there's a lot of hatchets going on because there was one in the diner. There's one um, that uh, Job's father got killed with. There was close-up of other hatchets throughout. Yeah, there are various close-ups of multiple hatchets. Hatchets. Yeah. Um, but there was the one with the, the hatchet in the door. I thought that was very similar to The Shining. Yes. So I, I wanted to kind of... Like, it's a callback to a that. far superior Stephen King movie. Right. As a nod. It's <laughs> a wide shot. Well, yeah. And it just kind of happens. <laughs> this is when um, Vicky is in the house with Sarah after seeing the drawing that Sarah made of her being carried off to the cornfields. Um, all the kids are coming to take Vicky to the cornfields. Mm -hmm. And, you know, runs upstairs and closes the door as if that's going to solve problems. Also... I want to backtrack to when the kids came to the house because there was a montage mm. of the kids entering the house and there's bits of it where one kid grabs a ladder, climbs up to the second floor where Vicky and the kid is, yeah. but yet all the kids converged and meet up on the first floor. So what happened to this kid <laughs> on the second floor? Imagine that kid <laughs> crawled through the window and was like, oh shit, everyone's on the first floor. I screwed up. <laughs> So, positions, like, wrong did, position. Like, did he crawl back out the window, go back downstairs, or did he sneak through? I feel like he probably snuck through the house and was like, sorry, guys, my bad. I didn't know we were convening on the first floor. I thought this was like a free-for-all free -for situation. Damn it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Steve. We said first floor. Yeah, and then the yelling of Outlander when they're trying. This is everywhere. Outlander. Outlander. Yeah, Malachi's trying to draw the doctor out. 
with Vicky in the town. First off, he says, what, are you hard of hearing? And then he slices Vicky's cheek. But rather than letting her scream echo throughout the entire town, yeah, he, mu- he muffles it and muzzles her with his hand. And I'm like, you're doing the exact opposite it of what you the purpose, should be doing dude. here. And like, they're, like the kids are chasing him through the town. They also show a lot of laced up boots. (laughs) There's so many laced up boots throughout the running scenes. Yeah, and how do you run in boots that are like that? I mean, I like all those boots. I want all those boots in my wardrobe. It would be really uncomfortable to run in all those? I don't know. I mean, they're flat boots. They're kind of like Doc Martin style boots, which is fine. But I just, there's a lot of, a lot of montage of laced boots, laced boots running, just all of them all the time. And I'm just like, apparently all these kids just he must have raided a Doc Martin store and, and been like, we will take all the boots. Oh, I think the man behind the rose wants all the docks. I, I feel like the best use of Outlander was when they inadvertently caused a distraction so the doctor could escape from being surrounded by kids. Yeah, that's like, true. The kids had him circled. And he had no way to get out. And then Malachi screams Outlander. And then all the kids stop what they're doing and look at Malachi. (laughs) So the doctor just walks straight through them and runs off. Yeah. They probably didn't need to chase a whole lot of people. I mean, it's been like three years since they murdered a bunch of, you know, a bunch of adults. Oh, you know, they, you know what? The old man did say that was the third card. So maybe they did have a pretty steady stream of adults. You feel like they would have their shit together by this point, though, after like three years and... Like, wouldn't they run drills or something or practice? Like, would that be like their <laughs> form of drills. recess? Like, worship this deity from like eight well, to, from like eight to noon. They're not going. From, then from like twelve to two, they have drill, and then from three to five, they have war worship, and then <laughs> <laughs> they're all in the cornfield doing their worship stuff. Like Isaac's preaching to them about the fact he's like the one who the man behind the corn rows speaks to or man whatever behind the corn rows. <laughs> <laughs> sorry cornfield. <laughs> man behind the corn rows everyone this is the person we're talking about oh man he's also a dragon apparently a dragon. <laughs> dragon um also after bert gets in a scuffle with malachi after running from everyone he so like they have like the stupidest little scuffle ever and he like Hits Malachi and Malachi falls, and then he turn around and like he directly runs into a post. It <laughs> was no sense. He wasn't even like right there. He just like literally walked into a post. Like in, it was a solid line. in a barn or like a field, four or, or five feet between him and the post that he had to walk into. There's a lot of stumbling by Bert. Another like reason 585 why I hate Bert. He stumbles a lot. Like for no reason, it's because he doesn't have laced up boots. Like everyone, probably he didn't. It's true, he's, he didn't always, get the he's memo. stripping over his shoestrings. He didn't get the memo about the Doc Martin raid, like where they were gonna raid the Doc yeah, store. Yeah. yeah, I mean he showed up in his New Balance kicks and and they're like nerd. So then Malachi overturns Isaac. We're, we're, we're building end. to the climax of the film now. So I made a note. I'm not sure. It's a Game of Thrones reference. I thought Isaac had a similar presence to Joffrey. I am the word and the giver of his laws. Disobedience to me is disobedience to him. Do it now or your punishment shall be a thousand times, a thousand deaths, each more horrible than the last. 
that asshole. And, and his voice is so grating. I am the chosen spoken one. I don't know what he says, but he loses his mind because everyone puts him on a corn cross. Like Jesus. Like Jesus, because this is only, referencing Christianity, only, apparently. Only not as painful, I guess. There's some undertones. There's, there's a lot some of religious undertones, undertones. Of, of Christianity in this, but they're not handled very well. It's very much like, oh, we're talking about Jesus here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is no, like, it actually isn't it's, even undertones. It's, it's overtones. Subtle. It's really not. It's not. Su- there's no subtlety to it's this It's like organized religion? Fuck that. There's nothing scarier than a bunch of kids chanting religious Religious chants and like the musical score randomly ha- like chanting cookies as they're like slicing someone's cookies, throat. Cookies, <laughs> cookies, cookies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm always in the mood for cookies, but I don't know. There's a, a, like a bitch fight between um, Malachi. <laughs> Between Malachi and Bert, and they like just slap the shit out of each other. All he was doing well, was straddling Ma- Malachi and just well, yeah, backhanding like, him. It, it, it was like, it's like he was like, gotta keep my pimp hand strong. <laughs> it totally was a pimp hand. <laughs> like it wasn't like fully like arced backhanded bitch slaps. Back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. And then he knocks him out. Malachi has to be some kind of special in order to, to get knocked, knocked out, out by a, some bitch slaps. From a bitch slap. And then Isaac comes back and Somehow. says, I want you, he wants you too, Malachi. Or something like that, referring to the man behind the corn because, rose. Because the, <laughs> the man because, behind the corn. Because the man behind the corn rose. <laughs> I uh, love that we're just going to refer to him as man behind the corn rose. He, he did consume Isaac we, we didn't mention that. Like, oh, yeah, we didn't. Sorry. Uh, he did consume Isaac. And then Isaac came back all different. He like a zombie. Like a zombie. Like, like a, a corn like zombie. Like a corn zombie. But as we know, like zombies don't talk. Really yeah, he just looked like a all. zombie. I don't know if it was just using his body as like a, as like as a, a channeling as mechanism. Like a, like a surrogate sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. You know, that's, that's like the end of the story for like Isaac and Malachi, because after that, like, we're just, we just don't see them again. <laughs> yeah. All. Yeah. They're gone. And so then they decide that they found something in a Bible verse that somehow cryptically says you should yeah, bring they the took cornfield a, they took down. took a hard left into exorcism territory with yeah. the power of Christ compels you <laughs> in this scenario. But really the only thing that this, uh verse from the bible which was honestly like maybe two sentences that were it wasn't it was like a sentence it's essentially just burn the corn (laughs) i mean (laughs) and jesus wrote as in jesus rose about from the abyss turned to his disciples and said let's make popcorn let's make popcorn (laughs) set fire to all this corn yeah so they decide that they're going to burn the cornfield and Bert's all like, get in the barn and telling everyone. He has his hero complex because he's a doctor, if you didn't well, he's know that. A doc- he's a doctor and he's trying to be Macho Man Randy Savage, but you know, you can't do that. Be your hero, baby. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> uh, he has this hero complex. He tells everyone to stay in the barn. He runs out to this irrigation system where he's going to put a bunch of gasoline in it, which is a great idea to light the cornfield on fire. Then Job comes out to help him and he's like, what are you doing? Do what I say and tells him to like go back to the barn and then like two seconds later he's like trying to run the irrigation system and he's like, do you know how to do this? Like go back to the barn. How do you work this? (laughs) I'm like, dude, you're 
hero complex is going to get everyone killed because you're like, I can run an irrigation system. I'm a doctor. And and it was really simple the way like you hit that button and then it turned, <laughs> it turned everything on. It's I like, think that's what he uh, said. He's like, turn it to the right. And, and here's the kicker. The way they were going to light the gasoline on was via a Molotov cocktail. And it took Bert two tries to get this right. Job ran and got the Molotov cocktail yeah, <laughs> in the field ran. and brought it back Yep, <laughs> and said, try again, do it better, essentially. Which is hilarious. It's his version of being like, stop being a bitch and actually do this, which is great. Obviously, Bert didn't play baseball when he was in high school. Well, clearly, he was too he busy. He was studying. He was too busy yeah. trying to be a doctor. Yeah, because now he's a doctor. Don't you know that? He's Wait, a doctor. I wonder if you consider the medical side of not playing sports when growing up. <laughs> Consider the medical side. So then, the, yeah, they finally burn the corn. And the deities is, is God, I guess. Which, so I don't know if this deity is like a poltergeist. What we see on screen is just very poorly made 80s visual effects of like reversed out, like negative with like colored paint over it. Like, like neon, neon, like it, goopy stuff. Like it doesn't, right? it doesn't look good. It's like a neon blob. Is it like the blob? It's like perhaps? the blob, but not scary. No, it's that's true. Anyway, um, so the ending is basically them. It's very abrupt. Like yeah. It, like it's kind of like all of a sudden it's the next morning and they're like, it's daylight because don't you know that's that is a signifier that you the, know dawn has come. We're all okay. That kind of thing. Yeah. There, it was the whole hokey like, oh, I think they, these kids could come live with us for a week. Oh, my God. They're adopting two random kids. Yeah. Which is really, really weird. Yeah. Because Bird is like the worst person ever. Yes. <laughs> I'd be like, don't adopt me. I'm like, good. I, I'm good. I'm going to just stay I've, in this weird I've yellow house. i on my own for three years. It was weird. It was weird. So they, anyway, they end. It ends. Yeah, it's kind of ends like, 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 oh, we should get our stuff out of the car. And there was a kid hiding in the car trying to kill him again, but he just kind of boops him on the head and like, oh, we'll just leave him here. And then they just leave. <laughs> and it just says the end and the credits start rolling. Like, oh, oh, that's it. It's a beautiful day. That's actually what you two, you know, wrote that song for. Yeah. For all the kids that were abandoned in Gatlin, Nebraska after their corn deity died. Oh, sad day. But no, but you two says it's a beautiful day. So... This has been the first episode of the Horror Fort podcast. You can find us at horrorfort.com and at Horrorfort Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Do some sound effects that we can like throw in here for a good measure. I was recording the sound of my beard. <laughs> 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 <laughs>